0: All right. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Isaac's Autism the Wild podcast. And I have my friend Taylor Crisp here today with me. And question for you. I interviewed earlier another um, self-advocate who has... Um, That was Sophie, and she has uh, high-functioning autism. And I asked her the question to start off the podcast as to whether or not she uses the terminology of a self-advocate. Do you use that terminology to describe yourself? Because you are a person with autism. Do you consider yourself a self-advocate, or what language do you use to describe um, how you view yourself?
1: Um, I would say I'm more of a self-advocate now than I was when I was younger. Cause I think when I was younger, I was in denial about my, about autism. I was in denial about having it. I, so like, what does that look like?
0: Um, and that you didn't like the terminology or you didn't really understand the term and how it would apply
1: or I guess more, I didn't like the terminology cause it felt like a label when I was, at, when, when I was younger, like even in high school, you know, I wanted to be like everybody else and have all the friends have people to want to hang out with me all the time and stuff like that, but I guess that could be for really anybody, not just a person with autism. I guess, but
0: so let's back up a little bit. So, do you mind sharing how old you are? I'm t- I just turned twenty eight years old. Fantastic, yeah. So times were a little bit different when you were young, growing mm-hmm. up, and having the label of an autism spectrum disorder. Do you feel like people understood what that meant? Let's start with the question. When it comes to teachers, do you feel like teachers? that worked with you under had a good understanding of what autism spectrum disorders were
1: when i was starting out elementary school i don't think they did okay um but as i got older i think teachers kind of understood a little bit more you know i think they helped a little bit more as i got older you know Mm -hmm. but the first uh school um, therapist or counselor or whatever when I was in kindergarten or first grade I was around my daughter's age at the time and that person wanted to diagnose me as mentally retarded not autistic and that's when and how old were you then I think I was six or seven.
0: Oh, okay. So let's back up a little bit more because we've talked a lot about this because you and I have um, known each other for a while now. Yeah. Um, How old were you when you officially... Because when you were little, you actually didn't talk because that's one of those things that we talked about Mm -hmm. is you were a late talker. Yes. Um, How old were you when you started talking? Uh, Four or five. Okay. So for them, initially, they thought that they used the word mentally retarded Mm -hmm. because they couldn't
1: really understand then why your language wasn't coming on? I, I think, I, I mean, I think they just kind of didn't understand my full diagnosis yet. Mainly that's like kind of maybe what you were mentioning. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause they, what they noticed is when I had pneumonia, when I was little, they noticed I wasn't talking and of course it kind of freaked my parents out. And then they did some more testing and then realize realizes was something different. Gotcha. Refresh my memory, Taylor. Do you have any siblings? I have an old, I have an older half brother, but we don't really have a relationship. So in the home, when you were like little, you were the only child in the home. No, my brother. Oh, I your brother was. Yeah, he grew okay. up, but we're just not really. We're just not close now. Closer. It, okay. There's just no interest really in a relationship, at least not on my end. But that's for personal reasons, though. Sure. So. So at what point do you feel
0: like teachers had a better understanding of autism and how it was that more junior high and high
1: school? You feel like there was more understanding of what that, I think it was, uh, it was mainly elementary school. I think middle school kind of skipped like the, the middle school. I didn't really like my care for the middle school, uh, staff for pe- for those with mental disability or disabilities, um, I liked my counselor though there, but I think I felt like the resource room staff weren't really that great when I was younger. That would have been like in, I don't know, 2002, 2003, thousand three, four, something like that. Mm-hmm. So
0: when you were little, looking back, what do you think the biggest challenges were? I mean, was it, um, how was school? I mean, did you, because Sophie was homeschooled, so she went through elementary school. And then at a certain point, because of the social challenges, she Just it was a struggle. She didn't want to go to school. She begged her mom um, to come up with another option. And so they did the homeschooling. Did you enjoy school and the social opportunities
1: that it provided? Yes, and no. It was kind of a up and down uh deal for me now that I look back. Um I was gonna I I will admit not a lot of it was happy because I mean I was bullied. I wasn't necessarily bullied for my autism because people didn't really understand the kids didn't understand it. So they just kind of figured I was maybe being weird, you know, so they just
0: considered you to be different. And that was why they bullied.
1: So, and I don't think kids really understand that at that, especially back then Mm -hmm. they didn't understand. They just thought, Oh, she's different. So we're going to make fun of her. And, and, you know, and a lot of, but it wasn't more so the bullying that bothered me is it was the fact that I felt like I had, I had such a, hard time making friends more than most people do mm-hmm. in and uh, and I consider you to be a very social person.
0: You really do want to have relationships. Sophie was describing how she is very introverted. And so socializing is very challenging. So she tends to be more um, withdrawn until she gets to know people. And then when she opens up and feels comfortable, then she can be your true self. But I've always known you to be um, like, you really do seem to um, enjoy engaging and having relationships with other people, maybe not every person, right. right? But for people that you trust, um, but you, you're very trusting initially until someone gives you a reason to not trust them. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, well, it also depends on the person too. Like, um, like when I met you, I'm, I'm going to trust you right away because I know you have good intentions. Others, there's some other people that will give me a bad vibe and I'll go, Oh, I don't know if I want to be near them or if I don't tr- trust them yet you know it just kind of depends on the person and the group of people I'm around I guess yeah but um I was I was more introverted when I was younger and then I guess as I got older high school is more when I came out of my shell
0: oh really because yep. Sophie was explaining that she felt like it was after high school like more nineteen twenty. Um, it was when she started coming out of her shell, but so you in high school came out of your shell.
1: That's because uh, the wrong crowd found me, so it made me oh. bring out my. Okay, shell so what of, does that look like? Tell me a little uh, bit more about that. Well, I mean, I hung out with a, with some older people, like you know, like senior like seniors from different high schools and more in their early twenties. Like I was invited over to play games and stuff like that, and you know, and it's. It's, yeah, it's, it was, so I think that's kind of what made me come out of my shell a little bit was, oh, I'm being accepted by older people. So, but maybe not in my high school, but you know. And how did you
0: get connected with these older people?
1: um, By one friend I had in high school and then she had a friend and you know how that works. They have Mm -hmm. have friends and friends. Did, Did you ever have
0: any issues or challenges with people befriending you for maybe not the best of intentions? Or were you really lucky in that you didn't have to experience that? Cause I have to be honest with you. That's one of my biggest fears with Caleb is, Mm -hmm. is that, um, he's so trusting, he's so kind, um, and he so badly wants friends that I feel like, um, you know, people with just not the best of intentions would befriend him because they know he's desperate for friendship and he just wants to be accepted. And so, you know, when you talk about getting connected with, um, this group of people, you know did you ever did you ever have any instances like that and if so what does that look like and what did you do how did you go about kind of piecing it together that hey i don't think these people are my friends necessarily
1: some of them i still talk to and some of them like some i grew apart with and some yeah some have um taken advantage of me and some have you know not took advantage of my kindness and stuff and um you know I don't think they knew I was, they didn't know I was autistic or anything. Cause of course when in high school, I'm not going to admit that. Okay. So So, that's something
0: that you always kept on like the down low. You didn't want people to know in high school that you had autism.
1: Yeah. I think I only had a a couple friends in high school that maybe knew about it. But, and then of course my teachers, obviously, but, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, not, not, no, not a lot of people I associated with in high school knew. Okay.
0: And do you feel like that was a good plan that that was strategically a good plan and not letting
1: people know? or yes and no. Okay, so tell me about that. I think yes, because it because uh, then you know, it sort of brought out another part of the more social part of me that like it was nice to kind of get out of that autism bubble for a second and be kind of something, someone different, someone, you know, someone finally wanting, to be around me and then also a part of me that the no part is because maybe there are certain mannerisms about me they didn't understand and questioned and maybe that's why some of them you know eventually didn't want to hang around me anymore because you feel like if they would have known they would have had more grace and understanding maybe, maybe yeah okay who knows though i think it's just a part of life though in general?
0: Well, I mean, let's be real. Like I don't click with all people. Not everybody loves Holly. I know that's shocking that not (laughs) everybody in this world loves Holly and what I bring to the table. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm an acquired taste, I think for sure. Um, I'm sure a lot of you guys would probably agree that are listening. Um, and yet some people keep listening to the podcast. So that's always nice. Um, so how do you feel when, um, because things have kind of changed a little bit, In that um, I I talked to a lot of parents who have kids that are kind of in your age range and they really felt like they, especially when their kiddo was higher functioning, where it could be more of an invisible disorder, um, that it was in their child's best interest to not have their child labeled and try and keep that um, on the down low so that it didn't negatively impact people's perception of their child. Um, But that's kind of changed now for our you know, parents who have, um, younger kiddos, because now there's a lot more education and understanding of what autism spectrum disorders are. And so, you know, by and large, we did a podcast topic talking about whether you to keep the diagnosis a secret or whether or not you should share. And by and large, um, most of the parents that participated in that podcast, um, felt like they'd never had an instance where sharing the diagnosis was detrimental to their child. In fact, um, being open and upfront um, with the people in their family, with their friends, with their classmates, with their teachers, um, with people in the community. It was better because then people use a different lens. Um, when they're assessing just anomalies, if you will, because they're not bad, you know, just, you know, you and I have talked about different things. You have different mannerisms, you, um, you know, different stemming, uh, stemming behaviors. Yeah. So Sophie was indicating that she doesn't have a lot. She has a lot of sensory sensitivity. So there's a lot of tags that bother her. Me too. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. You guys have a lot of connections mm-hmm. in that. But um, aside from the fact that she did podcast with me and she had um, a fidget in her hand, she asked me if she could have something in her hand because she was nervous. You, um, Taylor, have one in your hand today. Um, it's a ribbon. But um, you also, you and I have talked about this a lot that it is just something that you need all the time. So you use a hair band, like a hair rubber band, you keep around your waist or your wrist as a and I break it. As a bracelet <laughs> and then you but you fidget with it. Yeah, you're right until it breaks.
1: They make a lot of the hair tie companies make a lot of money
0: on. And it. we have joked about that too. Oh. It's like if you anybody needs any Christmas stocking ideas for Taylor, yeah. she needs some pretty um hair rubber bands all because, the time yeah, all the time. But you have your ribbon mm-hmm. um you know and I've seen or you've had a string before in your hand and you mm-hmm. wrap it around your finger or your um just rub it between your fingers. Yeah. And guess
1: what? I found really long rainbow shoestrings on Amazon and I'm going to get them.
0: Oh, nice. I love that. We, know, we always love to hear when I opened up my my fidget drawer for Sophie to look at the different things that I could offer as a hand fidget. She was very impressed and asked me where I got all of my stuff. And I said, anywhere I go, if I find something that I think makes a really good fidget or, you know, that's satisfying. I try and pick up a couple because you just, everybody likes mm-hmm. fidgets, hand fidgets for a variety of different reasons. Mm-hmm. And so, um, anyway, so I'm with you. Like anytime I pick up something, I'm like, Ooh, this would make a good fidget. Then I have to pick up a couple and, um, throw them in my drawer. So, and also too, Caleb is my connoisseur of fidgets. So we'll go someplace and he'll find something that's very satisfying and he'll tell me, Oh, you need to get a couple of these for the Isaac office. So, um, what a good helper isn't he though? Mm -hmm. I think so too. And it's so funny because when I find, um, you know, cause he kind of goes through phases of stimming and, Um, we, when I found this one fidget and I'll pull it out here in just a second, um, Taylor, so you can um, tell me what you think about it. He, all he could think about when he went to school was getting home so he could use his hand fidget. And I was like, well, why don't you take it to school? And so even in that context, bringing it back around to uh, talking about to keep it a secret or not to keep a secret, you know, we are very open about Caleb's diagnosis because I have found that specifically for Caleb, it just, um, because, Like you, Taylor, it's an invisible disorder for Caleb because he's very functional. He's very conversational. He's got a good sense of humor. um, But where he sometimes makes mistakes is in social communication, social context. And so then, you know, people misunderstand or think he's being a jerk or, well, that was really insensitive to say, or, wow, that was blunt. Um, And so there's issues just sometimes with that. And then, of course, he has sensory issues. So there are some things he just will not do because um, it bothers him. And then people think that he is being defiant or difficult. And um, so we have found that hands down, it is better just to give people more information than less. Um, But with that being said, he still does want to look the same as his peers. So having his fidgets at school where he definitely benefits from them, but then people are like, what are you doing Um, is starting to make him uncomfortable. And he's in the sixth grade. Um, so I hear what you're saying is, is that, um, you know, even with Caleb being pretty open, I mean, he is very open about his autism diagnosis. Um, there's still, there's still things that he prefers to not, he just doesn't, he doesn't necessarily, that doesn't mean he wants to stand out above everybody else in terms of his differences. And so I think that you're absolutely right. But do you feel like, um. In today's day and age, you have to explain a lot less than when you were younger. Or do you think you still have to try and explain certain things to people so that they understand?
1: I think I have to. Ex- I, I think um, now that there's more awareness, I have to explain a lot less. But of course, me being me, I still explain a lot, <laughs> just in general because that's just me. But I think um, I think more people are understanding now. I mean, there's still going to be ignorance. That's never going to go away. It's just it's always going to stick around. It's um, but you know, it's just, it is what it is. Um, but it, I think it's better now than it used to be. The nineties was kind of a, a joke when it came to, and even the eighties were worse. And when it came to, cause people with disabilities used to be ostracized and just put in homes right away. Yeah. So, and it, and it eventually, you know, has gotten better. So mm-hmm.
0: are relationships easier for you now, um, finding those relationships and friendships, or is it still something that you're struggling with.
1: I still, it's something I still struggle with. It's actually one of the big things I still struggle with and not that I'm blaming anybody for it because I don't necessarily think anybody needs to be blamed. I just don't think they, I just don't think a lot of people understand how I communicate. And sometimes my form of communication is silence. You know, I have a hard time reaching out to people because I don't know whether. You're so worried you're going to be a burden on someone. Yeah. Or, you know, Do I have to always come to them or can they come to me once in a while or can we meet somewhere in the middle? Like I just it's more of how to form relationships, especially with people like my age. Mm -hmm. That's the hardest is finding people my age, because normally I have easy forming relationships with people like a few years older than me. Mm -hmm. You know, like Amber, who's in her 30 early 30s, even though she doesn't look like it. And then you know you and yeah, I'm the old fogey in the group that's friends. <laughs> no, right? nothing. Not <laughs> you guys, you guys, you guys still look young. I'm just saying. Oh that. yes, we do because a
0: hair color Taylor yeah. ta- hair color but is my fi- is my it's friend. What I'm
1: saying it's more easier to it's harder to uh, it's easier to ma- uh, maintain relationships more with uh, people that are a little older than me than ones that are around my age. Around my age, they just kind of still have their own clicks, even in their ones in their twenties. You know,
0: it could be the click thing. You know what I think the difference is what um our generations because i'm an x generation person so uh generation x. generation x and you know the difference between myself and so i'm a generation x but um Amber is not a generation X, but she's still, so she's the generation after me because she's younger. Um, but the difference is technically a millennial. She's a millennial. She's yeah. She's like the first edge of millennials, but here's the difference is, is that back in the day when I was young, we didn't have technology. We didn't have cell phones. So we, so we have, we maintain our relationships differently because we didn't grow up in the technology world. And unfortunately Taylor for you is, is that you grew up in more, you, your generation is more reliant on that technology. And so, a lot of their relationship, like how they maintain their relationships, is through technology. Whereas in my generation, like we're just not really comfortable with that. I mean, we do it, social media, like Facebook. Um, but, you know, my, you know, peers tend to still understand that value in like connecting with people and not using the technology or relying so heavily on technology right. in order to maintain those relationships. Not to say that that's not a hard and fast rule. Another factor I think that um, weighs in on this too is is that um, in my range, age range of people, um, I used to not really rely much on technology to maintain my relationships. but now that I have kids, I've had to kind of use that as my mm-hmm. as you know as my fallback because I'm so busy because I have four kids that I'm just I feel like my hair's on fire all the time. Like there is just never, um, I have like laid down every single night this week, just absolutely got exhausted because between, you know, work commitments, but mostly right. activities for my kids. I will tell you, I was just having this conversation twice this week because I, it was just weighing heavily on my mind you know, when I had just one child, it was just so easy, you know, like having one child was so easy and that, you know, like I could give as much, all my extra attention to that one child. And then when you have two, it's like, okay, you're dividing your attention between those two kids. Still pretty easy. All of a sudden the jump from two to three kids, it's like, it's exponentially more difficult Mm -hmm. because dividing your attention in thirds and making sure everybody's needs are met becomes a little bit more dicey. And then as they get older, it becomes even harder because they are all going three different directions and it becomes like um, very complicated. You know, when you have younger kids, you know, they're still napping and it's, you know what I mean? So you have to respect the nap schedule. And then when you have You know, the play dates, you know, you still have to participate in play dates because, you know, that's just the way it is when they're young. And then, of course, when they get into elementary school, junior high and high school, then they're wanting rides and they've got athletics and clubs and all this other stuff that they're doing. So it's really difficult to keep up with it all. But then when you add the fourth child, you start really seeing an exponential challenge just in terms of time and just your free time is just like, there is no free time because when you have four kids, it's like, holy moly, it is very hard to keep up with everything. And so I literally lay in bed and I'm exhausted. So that's when I tend to find that I use technology to do my check-ins with the people that I care about. And that I want to maintain a relationship with, but I would normally just pick up the phone and have that conversation or say, Hey, let's go have coffee or let's meet after work, but I'm so exhausted.
1: I think you it's do a hard. good job at dividing your time. I, well, thank
0: you, Taylor. I, that's why Tell they, my children, I'm going to make my kids listen that, to you.
1: That's why they call you wonder woman, right? Or well, give you wonder woman stuff.
0: Or- yeah. Well, here's the thing. I've always loved wonder woman because she, when I, you want to know why I love wonder woman? I'm going to tell you the reason why I love wonder woman is because when I was a kid, she was a big deal because I, again, I'm in my forties. Um, yep. Generation Xer. But, um, so she was already a big deal even before I was a kid. Mm-hmm. um, But what I loved about uh, Wonder Woman and also Princess Leia, because Princess Leia was my other love affair when I was young, is that they had dark hair and I have dark hair. Um, Barbies are all blondes. And it used to, you know, because when I was young, Barbies was a big deal, too. Um, And, you know, even when you would watch TV, all the beautiful women were blonde haired. Right. Um, So what I loved was Wonder Woman had dark hair and she was like amazing as did princess leah mm-hmm. so that was part of it so and i mean they're just amazing people right mm-hmm. so anyway so yeah kids definitely make things exponentially hard but i think you know again going back to that whole technology piece is that as i'm getting older and as like my kids become more demanding um just in terms of trying to meet their um, emotional and social needs really it's like i'm a let's be real i'm i'm a taxi service um it's really hard. So that's why I have even had to start using technology to help maintain some of my relationships too, which isn't mm-hmm. optimum. It's not my preference, right. but, um, but I think definitely in your generation, it's just, you know, that face-to-face interaction, you just don't get as much. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't, you know, certain generations just don't value it as much as like mm-hmm. some of the older generations. And so, right. um, and that's what I think, I mean, I love about you is, is that you, um, you know, I know that you are an introvert and I know that you're not super comfortable. I am always so impressed with, um, how much you do want those relationships. And, um, so that's like segue this into, we were talking about kids. And so it's, worth saying that Taylor is a mom, right? And so that's, um, and I don't know whether you this makes you happy or not, but from the autism mom's perspective who have gotten to know you because mm-hmm. you come to our mom's night um, once a month and you've gotten to know a lot of our um, autism tribe parents, mm-hmm. um, I think it's safe to say that you know that we all admire you so much and we look at you and think and we tell you all the time, if my kiddo grows up to be just half as amazing as you, like I'm just I get goosebumps because you are truly amazing and you're a mother, which just goes to show you that you may have an autism spectrum disorder, but nothing is off the table, right? You um, are a mother, um, your daughter is, she's six now, isn't she? She's six, yeah. Yeah. Um, and she is just a little spark plug. She is just, um, you tend to be more quiet and more reserved. And she's just a, she's just a talking machine. She talks in the in all absences. So mm-hmm. she is just a little talking little thing. Yep. Um, she's just inquisitive. She's smart um, and um, bubbly. And um, you should be really proud But even with this is that, you know, we've in moments where you're super anxious because you're just overwhelmed because life can be very overwhelming because just sensory wise Mm -hmm. and then just the, um, day to day requirements of just managing life and knowing how to manage your own life, but then also being responsible for your daughter, you get overwhelmed at times and then you really feel like you're not doing a good job and you, um, you know, she talks, 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 and and you tend to need more quiet. And then you feel bad about that, right?
1: I do. Because it's like, I'm going, well, even though I'm autistic and can't deal with a lot of the screaming and the noise, I go, I have to kind of sort of cancel that part out and kind of learn to cope with it better because I have a six year old and there's, I can't control that. She's, she's a kid. She's got to, you know, and I just got to keep reminding myself, you know, I need to kind of sort of zone that part out and figure out a way to cope with it. So my daughter can still be. Six. Yes. But look at
0: that rational, rationalizing you're able to do Mm -hmm. and that you can, you know, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. you know where your boundary, like where your limitations are, but you also know that it's an area that you need to grow in because you definitely don't want to. um, You want to give her that opportunity Mm -hmm. to be a normal six year old. Mm -hmm. But um, and I just want you to know, like every time I've seen. You guys, to, because, you, you know, I see you t- from time to time and you mm-hmm. come down and I'll help you troubleshoot some things. And usually those are, are in some of your really stressful and high anxiety moments. Mm-hmm. And yet seeing how you're able to still respond to um, your daughter is is awesome to see, because I know that it's got to be it's hard for me and I don't have sensory issues. So I know it's even addedly difficult to um, for you. So the fact that you're able to to balance that and, you know, like kind of change your thresholds for mm-hmm. your daughter, I think is really good. Um, is there anything that you found in learning to adjust your threshold for what your tolerance level is? There anything that has helped you be able to do that more? Like, do you have any like, um, ways that you compensate in other ways? Is it the, your fidgets or things that you do sensory wise? Like how do you manage it? I've broken it? a
1: lot more hair ties <laughs> than before I became a parent. Um, I take, I I actually take a lot of baths. I've learned to take a lot of baths because I, um, I've Come to realize that warm water soothes me. I don't know why it just does. It does for me too. I have a hot tub now. That even if my bath baths aren't private,
0: yes. Hey, and that's the thing too. It doesn't have to. Well, because that's you know, anytime a mom's in a bathroom, it's like, oh, that's the time where they have the most questions, right? Mm -hmm. Is they're going to be in there um, asking a bajillion questions? But you're, yeah, you're right. That's actually that's one of Caleb's things. We have a calming menu for him when he gets really uptight and agitated and overwhelmed. We have a calming menu where it's basically just pictures of different things that we know and that he's identified as things that um, help him feel better. Mm. And um, so, and a bath is one of those things. Now we have a hot tub. So he'll either, sometimes he'll decide oh, he wants he to do. take a bath uh, or a shower, but then sometimes he wants to just go and like um, like lounge in the hot tub. He, I think he kind of prefers when he's the only person in the hot tub. Cause he likes to um, do, it's kind of like, whale re- like walrus rolling or something. Where he just kind of rolls where he can be and, himself and just Yeah, up. and he doesn't have to worry about him splashing other people or touching people in the hot tub. So he kind of likes being there all by himself. So he can kind that of freedom is so nice. Oh my goodness, yes. So what kinds of activities do you and your daughter like to do together?
1: Um, well, when it's kind of cold weather, it's kind of hard. It is. Especially um, especially in this area. Um uh but we like to do, we like to do we like to do a lot of uh crafting stuff in the summertime you guys like to go to different parks yep parks a lot yeah. of parks um, um it's in i tell you take uh, take advantage of going outside as much as you can especially in washington because you don't get very much of it so yeah um so yeah just a lot of parks we uh uh, it, uh now i'm trying to think of more
0: now is she into one of your childhood interests was pokemon is she interested in pokemon to the same degree that you are because you still love
1: pokemon yep Yep. um no she did not take that over but there's still
0: time yeah there's still time but
1: no she's literally said the only i don't like pokemon mom like you the only thing i like about pokemon is eevee that's it oh interesting and i'm like I'm like, okay, that's cool. You can like your own things
0: totally. See, and like, I think that's so healthy. The other thing, so. too, is this is something you're going to find, Taylor. Mm-hmm. Is, is that, um, I love Star Wars and I also love superheroes, always have. Now, my kids have always been, if you follow me on Sock Pants and Superheroes, because that's kind of my, my pen of what I write under for our family adventures, but. Um, you'll find that my kids have always naturally loved superheroes because superheroes are awesome. But I te- I really love Star Wars and my kids not so much, but here's one thing that's happened. This is what I found. Because of my interest in in Star Wars, that didn't necessarily rub off to my children. But once then they became popular and all their friends started talking about Star Wars this and Star Wars that, then all of a sudden those kids started jumping on the bandwagon and it was all of a sudden cool again. But it wasn't because of me. It was because they're You know, the baby Yoda became like a really big thing. Yes. Baby Yoda.
1: I want a a stuffed baby Yoda. I know. So
0: they, oh my gosh, he is so cute. And, but I'm telling you that now, like my daughter is all into Star Wars because of the baby Yoda and all of her friends are into it. Like they were over at my house this last weekend and they were obsessed with watching for baby Yoda. And I was just like, see. Had nothing to do with me and the fact that I've been a fan my entire life. It took the fact the peer pressure element. So there's still time. Because remember, too, the when Pokemon Go became the rage and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden everybody is out like Pokemon hunting, even people that didn't even know what Pokemon were yep. before that moment. So there's still opportunities to have your kid start loving some of your natural interests. Just give it time. It, it requires exactly. peer pressure. It's
1: amazing how much more Pokemon they keep inventing. It's like when I oh. think they're going to stop, they just keep coming up with more. Oh, I'm I know. Like, and wow. Caleb's my little
0: Pokemon encyclopedia. If you want to know evolutions of whatever, I'm just like, that
1: was me when I was his age. I oh. still am like yeah. that. Yeah. Even but- my dad will tell you that. Um, And I don't, he actually tagged me in a post on my birthday saying, Oh, my daughter used to come up to me and say, Oh, this is Char- Charizard. This is this. And he would like, guess them all. And I would always tell him, It's not that one. No, that's not the evolution of that one, you know. And, and I was surprised he remembered some of the Pokemon. Oh, I was very surprised that my dad remembered. Like a 50 something year old man can remember certain Pokemon. That tells me, you know, he's. See, he was paying attention. He was paying attention. He's still got a young spirit at heart. Oh, absolutely. So, and, but the fact that, you know, nobody thinks I'm weird for still liking it or being super into it, I think it's like, I, I. I think I'm, that makes me feel happy because that's what makes me f- that's my that's kind of my getaway. That's my that's the thing when I'm sad. That's one of the things I can think about besides my daughter, of course, that makes me happy as I think about Pokemon. I think about playing it when I was younger and also the fact that I got the new uh, what's it? the shield game The oh, new yeah. shield game for yeah. my switch. It really. You know, it's. Oh,
0: I'm glad that you brought that up because that's on the Christmas shopping list for Caleb, and I don't know what it is. So you're going to have to educate me once we're done with this podcast because I'm not quite sure what I'm looking for. Oh, it's just so hard with that one because he's so particular and. Um, anyway, so good to know. Yeah. I'm going to, def- now I know what the source of where I'm going to get my information. Um, as a mom, like what do you think the biggest challenge is? So ha- being a person with autism and then also being a mom to a neurotypical little girl, what is, what do you feel like is your biggest challenge or the things you worry about the most? Uh,
1: I always worry if I'm not going to help her enough, like be prepared for, I mean, she's already in school, but I just worry that I'm not going to give her enough. Like when she's out of school enough hands-on education or how to help her. I, I want her to, my dream for her is to succeed more than I have, but that's every parent. Oh, sure. That's yeah. Like, that's what we all think of. We all want that for our children is to succeed and do better than us. And I guess I just kind of worry since I struggled I mean, I did well, I did okay in school, but I still had to work extra harder more than most people to, to get even close to doing somewhat well. And I just want, I don't want her to struggle like that. I want her to, I want her to keep doing well. I want her to keep, you know, um, I just, I want her to do better than I did. And that's kind of what I worry about is I, I also want to make sure that when she's old enough, she's ready for the world, Mm -hmm. whatever that's going to be in that time. Not that I want to think about that right now, but I know, golly, um,
0: but and just, it takes
1: up on you faster than you think, you know, I my just worry two about you already in the
0: 10th grade and it's yep. like, Whoa, I only have two more years. Yeah. And then, Ooh, I hope they're prepared enough.
1: Basically so. I just fear the unknown. Yeah. Like that's basically it. And, you know, I just worry that, you know, she's, and also I worry about health a lot, you know, I hope she's going to be healthy. I hope she never gets, super sick. I hope that she, you know, that's, I don't know why, but I'm a big worrier about health. I'm worried about everyone's health. Like I just want everybody to be okay. You know, you know, I get that. So I, I must sponge off that. Like I will absorb other, what other people are going through.
0: Yeah. You're definitely an empath for sure. So is there looking back in your life then, is there any area that you wish that you may have been, you should have Do you wish that your parents or a teacher along the way would have pushed you or helped you in a different way? Because one of the things that Sophie pointed out is that while she loves the fact that her mom was very open to the fact that she wanted to be homeschooled because the social element of school was really challenging, she wishes just like this tiny little bit that maybe her mom would have pushed her more to try for social things. But with that being said, she was also very clear about having parents understand that signing her up for like a social group with a bunch of people was it would it be a terrible idea that for her a good opportunity for social interaction was um, getting her connected to one, maybe two other people for social interaction because these these social groups are really like not a place where she felt like she would ever be able to thrive. Like, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like there's some an element that you identify with or do you disagree?
1: Um, I would say I both agree and disagree, um, cause no parents, parents aren't going to be perfect. They're always going to forget something or miss something or wish they would have done something or, or us children wish they would have done something differently. Um, I mean, first off, I'm going to say, um, considering, you know, my parent considering, you know, that I'm autistic and what they've been through and, you know, and especially with the divorce, their divorce and all that during my senior year, considering all that, they did a pretty good job raising me. Like, well, And
0: they were given kind of and if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. weren't they painted a very like dismal picture of what your future and potential would be like they didn't yes. have. So they were basically um, your parents were told that, you know, you were never going to do this, this and mm-hmm. this. And so that was what they were operating off of when they yeah. when you were young. Yeah. And look at how amazing you are you are and all the things that you've accomplished that people, um, yeah. providers that they were working with had not given them hope
1: for. Yeah. So I think you're absolutely right. So they do the best they can. I mean, I wish they would have pushed me to do I wish they would have put me in more activities though. That's the one if that's the one thing I could have changed is I wish they would have put me in more activities in my like adolescence. Like like horseback riding. Mm-hmm swimming lessons, you know, push me. You don't, swim, you don't, you're not a swimmer. Are you? I don't really, I, I can stay afloat, but as far as like being a really strong skilled swimmer, no.
0: Well, darn it. I was hoping that you might be the only other adult that I know of that doesn't, I don't, I'm not, not a swimmer. I don't know how to swim.
1: I don't like jumping in deep ends. Cause I worry about not getting back up. I mean, I can jump in like six feet. I feel comfortable jumping in six feet. Sure. But like 20 feet that or a lake, that's when I get kind of, did you ever do any sports? I did once I got to high school, but I wish I would have been put in them earlier. Oh, okay. So I could have gotten better and maybe gotten scholarships. You know what I, you know, I wish I would have had more of those opportunities, but I think, you know, they were, I think they, they're they're It was not out of bad intentions though, that they didn't push that. I think they were just kind of worried and they, you know, they were just worried that, I think they were just kind of worried about it to make they wanted to make sure that I think they were worried about rejection as mm-hmm. of as I was, too. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think they were just kind of worried about a lot of that. And um, my mom, like I love my mom and um, she just she more of like coddled me and kept me in a bubble a lot when I was like she wasn't very she's not very like emotional type person. But as she's not really the emotional person, she's more of the provider So she wanted to make sure that I was secured and taken care of. That's why she kind of coddled me a little bit. So do you think that she coddled you too much? A little bit. I think she did a little bit too much. Um, I don't think it was out of any negative intentions. Oh, no. I think it was. I just think that, you know. It was just. It was just a lot because she's a registered, she still is a registered nurse, but even then with her, with being a registered nurse and then dealing and then having to deal with IEPs on top of it and um, dealing and with. And she the, was paving away
0: in a time where there was
1: less resources, resources, yes.
0: less children that were impacted by IEP. So she had to do a lot of advocacy to fight for just the services mm-hmm. and And the benefits that you had. And so we call her, she's the, she is one of those parents that paved the way for us. And we're benefiting Mm -hmm. from a lot of,
1: you know, your mom and your dads and other parents. And she also had to pay a lot of money too, to find me resources. Yeah. So she, I don't know how much money she spent on me for testing and uh, count like for psychiatrists, for psychologists, for therapy to get me tested i'm sh- I'm sure insurance did not even come close to covering it oh, i'm very not. certain it didn't especially yeah. with her income i'm mm-hmm. sure it was very expensive so yeah. and my dad too you know it's like and and my dad um my dad, I want to kind of give credit to my dad too. Um, sorry for rambling on, but you're not, um, at all. that's my, the whole point
0: of a podcast. Yeah. We were actually talking before we went live and just, you were asking questions like, I'm not really sure
1: what the point of a podcast is to talk about all these things. So, so you're not rambling. People want to hear this. Um, my dad, I would say my dad, even my, even though my dad, my dad's more of the, the, the tough, uh, rugged, you know, um, but he tough in a good way, you know, wanting to make sure I'm, t- you know, kind of like, the coddled version of my mom, but like the tough way, like he wants to make sure that he's tough. He's, he's making sure that he's instilling these values in me to make sure that, you know, they stick with me and, uh, you know, and the, a lot of his toughness is the reason why I have a lot of my values too. So your mom
0: kept you more in the bubble and coddled you and your dad was more of the like push, yeah. like, push you out of the
1: nest and mm-hmm. wanting you to be yeah. su- self-sufficient yeah. and independent. And- in my opinion, I felt my dad was more maternal because sure. my dad, even though he was r- rough, he was also the more emotional sure. person.
0: Now, just so the um, people that are listening understand. So Taylor is a mom um, and Taylor, you have lived independently. Now you have lived with your dad, but more often of like, on. on, but more more as a roommate, a roommate, as opposed I to paid my rent. Yeah. You had to Sorry. live with him because you didn't have yeah. any other options. It was more that it was just Comfortable and it helped both of you out. Yeah, um, just at the time, yeah. But you have an apartment, um, you have a significant other, mm-hmm. you have a daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, you've worked in a variety of different ways. You're actually thinking about possibly going back to school because and you going have back to work. Actually, going too. back to work, yeah. So, kind so. of, do I go back to work or do I maybe go to school and pursue something that you're interested try in? Try both. Well, and that's the thing. So, did you? Um, and I know you've kind of had fears about doing both, both at, at the same, same time. time. Um, but with the support network that you have, cause I, you know, you've met a lot of fantastic autism moms mm-hmm. and even moms of your daughter. And then of course, you know, we're friends. Do you feel a more confident in making those decisions? Or are you still kind of scared? Both, both, I'd yeah, which is both. totally
1: normal. So yeah. Um, I think it's more of knowing where to start is what's getting me. So everything's so overwhelming that I just don't know where to begin. Yeah. That's a big part of my the issues I deal with my brain, um, and sorting out and processing that. Yeah. So and I think and that's something I can say from an autistic point of view is that is knowing where to start and sorting out stuff is a big yeah. thing. It's like that SpongeBob episode where he was f- doing a bunch of filing cabinets. And if anyone's ever seen that, episode, uh, yes, but, but I have. It's that's how my brain is right now. Yeah. So it's just it,
0: difficult to know where to find what. Yeah. yeah. So whenever we talk and you tell me your like struggles or where you're indecisive, a lot of it is just helping you to kind of decide, okay, prioritizing here's step one, here's step two, here's step three. And once you know your steps, you get through everything, mm-hmm. right? um, sometimes they take a little bit longer Mm -hmm. because, you know, you, we all go through waves of being really like, Hey, I'm on top of it. And then there's some weeks where it's like, Oh, I'm just not, I can't deal with any of this. And you just put it on the back burner, which isn't a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all. Um, but yeah, that's one of the things too, where, um, having good people in your life when that's, you know, that that's not one of your strengths. So having good people in your life, they can say, Hey, here's where I think you should start. Call this person or go online and look at X, Y, and Z. So, all right. Well, I'm going to actually wrap this podcast up, but I was hoping Taylor, I was going to give you the list of other podcasts because I really feel like there's other topics that you might enjoy podcasting and giving an opinion on as a self-advocate. Oh, one more thing before we wrap up too. I forgot to ask, like, do you, I know you Sophie, when I asked this question, she had less opinions about it. Like, language isn't something that really ever bothered her um, in terms of how people, the language people use to describe. Um, individuals with autism, but I know actually you have more feelings about language and words um, used and how they make you feel. Correct. And mm-hmm. so, tell me some of the words that you that really grate on your nerves that you don't like versus ones you do. Do you like the term neurodiverse? Is that a word that you use to describe yourself or that you identify as?
1: Not really. Not really. It's, it's but it's not it doesn't one, bother me. But either. it doesn't bother you.
0: What about the term autistic?
1: Uh it's kind of a double-edged sword because it's the best way personally. It's the best way for me to describe what I'm going through. Cause sometimes people don't understand those other terms mm-hmm. that I have to just kind of be blunt and say, okay, it's autism. So, yeah. and then they go, Oh yeah. You know, and
0: are there though- any terms that really drive you nuts that you don't like? How do you feel about when you hear the word retarded? Does that one bother you at all?
1: yeah it's it's it bothers me especially for a number of reasons mm-hmm. i've had to deal with some sort of altercations to similar personally but i won't go there yeah <laughs> but um but yeah it's, it's it's i don't think that's i think that's a kind of an unnecessary term mm-hmm. you know
0: do you prefer people first language that you're a woman with autism or autistic woman
1: a woman with autism that's your I preferred people first like sometimes i'll just say autistic but yeah there's sometimes that term, even though it's the best way, sometimes it's the best way for me Mm -hmm. to describe things. Mm -hmm. It also is kind of like nails on a chalkboard when I say it sometimes. Okay.
0: So it even, okay.
1: So even though it's sometimes the best way for me to describe stuff, it doesn't mean I necessarily like like to always Mm -hmm. say it. Mm -hmm. So.
0: Perfect. All right. Well, like I said, there's just always a lot of debate about language and appropriate language. And it's so personal that I always think that, you know, Um, John Lemus is a friend of mine and he like, and I've said this in a different podcast. One of the things that he said is nothing about us without us. In other words, like, don't talk about us, include us in the conversation. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those things where people debate the language, appropriate language to describe people with autism. And, um, you know, this is where it really is personal. And some people feel very vehemently that this is the appropriate use of language. And then other people would say, nope, I personally don't like that. And I think, again, either way, you know, but I think that it's really important to ask the questions of individuals that have autism, because again, I don't have autism. I'm raising a child with autism. And that's why I love pinging things off of you from time to time, because I really value your input.
1: Yeah, I think, um, I don't think every autistic every autistic individual is different on how they want to be referenced referenced as you know because I'm my opinion might not be the same as yeah someone else's um but the cool thing is you have that perspective whereas I have talked with some self-advocates that don't have
0: the ability to see it from another person's perspective Mm -hmm. and so this is what makes them feel good so they assume that that's the way all people should feel. And so it's a little more challenging. I, I
1: just kind of learned with, you know, with social media and kind of being a, a millennial. And I just kind of learned a lot that I, I, even though I have autism myself, I don't, I'm so used to a lot of things that I don't really take a lot of things offensively anymore, unless it's very, very direct. Yes. So I've, for, so there's certain things I'll just roll off my back. The only thing I don't like is when people brag about how much better they are than people. That's a tick. That's yeah. something that I really. can't stand. Is when people say, "Oh, I'm so amazing," or look at look look how much I've accomplished. And I'm just like, "Well, the look at me, look at me, people." Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, "Well, um, autistic people have accomplishments too." You oh know? my
0: goodness! So yes. So well, you know they say Thomas Jefferson. They says, they think that Thomas Jefferson had autism, and. Albert Einstein. Einstein. Yeah. So exactly. Those are some people with some pretty awesome accomplishments in my opinion. So, all right, well, we are going to wrap up this episode of Isaac's Autism Wild podcast. And um, I will keep bringing Taylor in on some of these really interesting conversations and topics because I love having your personal input and perspective on these things, because it really does open it up so that there's a better level of understanding for us other parents. So thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you. I hope to help other people maybe have different, get different perspectives and resources from me giving my, I guess, input, I guess. Yeah. All right. Perfect. And that's
0: it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe and just remember we're all in this together. So find your tribe and hold them tight.